friends, I can't tell you how excited I am to finally be together, to have people to actually uh, speak in front of, right? To, to preach to in, in, an, in person, it, it changes things. And it is a little odd that everybody's wearing masks, but again, I, I appreciate you uh, taking that on and, and helping out in that way. My friends, as I said, we're going to talk about Scripture, the nature of Scripture, what Scripture is, how we read Scripture, how we understand and interpret Scripture, uh, because it's so, so foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, last week, we talked about baptism, and that's kind of like the entry point for many of us, and how baptism is ultimately about identity. But once we receive that identity as a child of God, uh, we, we dig into these other practices, and the reading of Scripture being one of them, uh, in order to stay in contact with God, in order to, to learn and to grow and to be made new. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But our scripture today uh, comes from 2 Timothy. I'm going to read from chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 16 through 17 and fill in some of the material that comes before. And th- this, this may sound familiar to you. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Will you pray with me? God, we thank You for Your Scriptures. We thank You for how You reveal Yourself, make Yourself known in and through them. Pray, God, that You would reveal Yourself to us today that we would encounter you anew and be transformed. All of this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about starting over. We're talking about starting fresh. We're talking about, you know, just having a a complete redo. Um, I think think most of us are at that point in our lives after the the last four months. We're just ready to start fresh, ready to start over. there's no better time, I think, for us to, to be thinking about that, and especially in our faith lives and for us as a community. So we're going to be looking at that throughout this month. But as I said, today we're going to talk about Scripture. When I think about Scripture, there's one uh, story from, from the Old Testament that continually speaks to me, continually sticks out to me. It's a story from uh, the, the book of Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, we encounter this instance where Ezra gets up to read the law to God's people. And he's reading it to a remnant of God's people who had returned from long, uh, long years of exile. And, and in the, while they were in exile, they had spent all of that time not hearing the law, not hearing from God. And they were starved for it. And in this, this this picture of Ezra reading the law, literally just standing up in front of him, and it says, you know, it took him all morning to read the law, and he was standing up there, and the people were just weeping, convicted by the law, and they were encountering the law, you know, after all of these years, and they were hungry for it. I think that's just a perfect analogy for where many of us are today. And I think where many people are today, even who aren't a part of the church or a part of a Christian community, that people are starving to hear from God, even though they don't know it's a, a, a hunger for God. And I think us as well, we're, we're starving to dig into God's Scriptures, to hear from God and have Him speak to us and, and be transformed. But Bible, Scripture... 
is the life-giving means of encountering God. Uh, you know, Scripture, it shapes us. It molds us. It molds our worldview. I think about this in terms of, you know, this passage from 2 Timothy where, where Paul is encouraging Timothy in the faith. Some of the, the verses that come before what I read, he's talking about persecution. He's talking about how, you know, Timothy, you're, you're going to face persecution, but, but do what I did. I, you know, I survived all this persecution. He even goes so far as to say, you know, whoever lives a godly life will be persecuted. So he says, continue on in what you have learned. He's talking about Scripture. The Scripture that he'd been immersed in. Continue on in what you have learned so that you may be proficient and equipped for every good work. You know, the Bible, we all know this. It's important. It's important to us as followers of Jesus. We know that it is a central part of our faith and practice. You know, most of us, many of us, we grew up reading and hearing Scripture. Um, but many are just learning it. But all of us, at one time or another, we, we have struggled our way through it, trying to understand and apply it to our lives. Some have a, a very high view of Scripture. try this you know we we got to make do with what we have so it'll be all right but when we when we think about scripture you know some of us we have a very high view of scripture we have a lot of expectations from scripture some though have a hard time seeing its importance for us today um, some believe there is only one true version of the bible and others see the importance of many different versions of the Bible. But whatever your understanding of the Bible, there is no denying that there has never been anything else like it in human history. Never been anything else like it in human history. There's no other collection of writings that has been so life-giving. But there's also been, never been anything used more for the purposes of division, exclusion in, in, in history than the Bible. And I think it's because of the difficulty that many have in understanding it and the way it has been used for division that many choose never to pick it up and read it. I'll be honest, you know, I grew up in the church and, you know, I, I heard many of those, those Bible stories growing up. Uh, I, I learned some of them when I was a kid, but I never really read Scripture. You know, I, I, I'd heard it, uh, which is important, and we're going to talk about some of that. But I never, that never really translated into me uh, listening to Scripture on my own, you know, reading and listening to Scripture on my own. And so, you know, I, I've, I felt like, you know, after I graduated college and started getting back into the church, I was playing a, a bunch of catch-up. I had a lot of catch-up to do. But many of us, we just never pick it up and read it. And many people think they know what it says, but have never immersed themselves in, the, in its pages in the story. And it's a shame because the Bible is the primary way, the primary way that God has chosen to reveal Himself. And you think about that. This, this book, filled with all manner of other different little books, is the primary way that God has chosen to reveal Himself. You know, I, I talk about it in this way. You know, the Bible is the Word of God. 
The Bible is the lowercase w word of God that reveals the capital W word of God, Jesus. It's the main way that we have to come into contact with God and to hear from him. But because of the Bible's importance for us as followers of Jesus, and because of all the baggage that so many of us carry around with regards to the Bible, I think it's time we call to do-over. If we're to claim our calling and our inheritance as children of God, it will be imperative that we start fresh in immersing ourselves in God's story. God's story. Not our own story. Not the stories that it, it, in the world that surround us and that the world creates, but God's story. We do that by immersing ourselves in the life-giving narrative of the Bible. As I said, you know, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, it's one of the most foundational practices that defines who we are as baptized people. Followers of Jesus read the Bible. Or, probably more accurately, we have the Bible read to us. You know, throughout history, the Bible has been heard more than read. It wasn't until about the 15th century that Bibles were made more easily available, more readily available. And, and so more people began to read it. But even then, it was only, only the very wealthy who could even afford a Bible. But from the time of the giving of the Old Testament law to Moses, Scripture was communicated through reading and hearing. This carried through the early centuries of the Christian church when local congregations most certainly were unable to afford a complete text of the Bible. You know, there's an enormous expense involved in copying out each text by hand and it would have comprised all of these different scrolls and there was no way to be able to carry all those with them. It was very expensive. And so you begin to understand why the ancient world was not just swimming in Bibles as we are. So people then... They didn't read the Bible, they learned the Bible. They recited it to one another. They wrote passages of it, often from memory. It, it, you know, it, was, it was most likely only the largest and most, most wealthy churches that could afford a complete collection of those scrolls. And this, the thing about it, it's like that in many parts of the world today. But I say this not to the diminish the importance of having a Bible of our own, you know, readily available, maybe carrying it in our, in our pocket, or of our need to read it, but simply to point out that to be a Christian is to be in the habit not just of speaking to God, not just of reading about God, but of primarily listening to God. Listening to God. We listen for God, we listen to God, with other followers in these texts which have been understood from the very beginnings of Christian community to be carrying the very voice of God. Can you think about that? Carrying the very voice of the one who created us and all of creation. The Bible is the territory in which we expect to hear God speaking. Now, I, this could be a slightly complicated claim because many of us we pick up the bible right and open it at random and maybe in a time of struggle or a time of distress we're just seeking for answers we expect to hear god speaking to us 
But when we open it, we may come upon, you know, a psalm, a, a text of human address to God. Or we may hit a piece of history. Or we may hit one of those horribly boring and tirelessly long genealogies. And we wonder, you know, what in the world could God be saying in the statement that so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so? What could God be saying to us? Or we may hit on a, a shocking, piercing, converting word of Jesus to his disciples. Or we may hit on a, a complicated theological argument that's drawn out in, in one of Paul's letters. But we soon discover that the Bible is not, it is not a singular list of, or, or sequence of instructions. Beginning with the words, you know, God says to you. As soon as we think we know what the Bible is, we turn the page and it turns into something completely different. So what's going on? Well, in the Bible we have, it's, it's just not one book, we have a collection of books. It includes, among other things, codes of law, collections of proverbial wisdom, hymn books, poetry, chronicles, letters, apocalyptic literature, polemical texts attacking society, visionary records, just to name a few. You know, we think we're reading and hearing a single book, but realize we are encountering an entire library, and a library that, that crosses over about you know, six or seven millennia. And so we have to read and hear the Bible as a library in its diversity of forms. But I think, you know, how can we read and hear it? And how can all of this be addressed by God to us? Well, the simple answer, I think, that we need to understand is that this is simply what God wants us to hear. This is what God wants us to hear. God wants us to hear law and poetry and history. He wants us to hear the societal attacks and the, and the visions. He wants us to, to hear the apocalyptic prophecies. And from the earliest days, Christians have wrestled with how exactly they can say, this is the word of the Lord, the communication of God. So we have to go beyond the surface meanings because surface mean, meanings, they don't immediately help us with understanding why God wants us to hear it. This is the word of God, but why is it important to God that we know it? Let me give you an analogy, and an analogy that comes from Scripture itself, of how maybe we are to read the Bible as a whole. But many of us know, you know, throughout Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, he doesn't simply pronounce laws. Instead, he tells stories, right? What we call parables. Often the questions these stories ask of us are, you know, what does this say about who God is? Or where are you now? Having read this story, where are you now? Or maybe who are you in this story? I think about the story of the prodigal son. There's, you know, three characters in that story. There's the father, there's the elder son, and the, there's the younger son. And by the time you're done reading that, that narrative, it, it asks us, you know, who are you in this story? But more importantly, who is God in this story? The story is there to draw us in and to make us think about who God is and about ourselves in relation to God. When we think about the Bible as a whole, 
We can understand it as God telling us a parable. We think about the Bible as a whole as, as a parable or a whole sequence of parables. God is basically saying, he's saying, this is how people heard me. This is how people saw me. This is how people responded to me. You know, this is the gift I gave them. And this is the response they made. Where are you in all of this? You think about that, and we think about some of the, the, the stories we encounter in Scripture. One of the questions I hear most about the Bible has to do with all of the violence and all of the killing that we encounter, especially in the Old Testament. I'll say this, how we understand it. We don't have to simply assume that God likes all of the responses offered by his people throughout the biblical time frame, throughout this biblical narrative. We don't just have to assume that God approves of these responses by his people. You know, for, as an example, many of the early Israelites in the Old Testament clearly thought it was God's will that they should engage in ethnic cleansing. That they should slaughter without mercy the inhabitants of the promised land into which they had been led. And ever since, people have asked the question, well, does that mean that God approves of this, of this genocide? Well, if he did, that would be so horribly at odds with the biblical story as a whole and what it says about who God is. But if we see such a response as simply part of the story, we see that this is how people thought they were carrying out God's will at the time. The point, I think, is, is to look at God, to look at ourselves, and to ask where we are in the story. And maybe, you know, in regards to some of what we encounter in, in the Old Testament, we ask the question, in light of the Bible itself as a whole, are we capable of responding more lovingly and more faithfully than even ancient Israel? The truth is that the Bible is a story that we have to listen to. We have to listen for God's voice as we read and hear its words. And then it is to see that this story, God's story, is our story. That our life began with Noah and Abraham and Moses. That the people written about in those pages are our family. And at the center of that family, in all of human history, is Jesus. I love the word crux. We use the word crux. You know, when, you know think about the, the crux of an argument or the, the crux of a situation. It's the central point, right? It's the center point around which everything revolves and turns. Well, the word crux, this is why I love it. The word crux is from the Latin crucifix, crucifixion, where we get the same word for crucifixion. So when we're talking about the crux, the crux of Bible, the crux of history, we're talking about the center point, right? The, the meeting point. The cross is at the center of all of history. It's at the crux of all of history. Jesus is the lens through which we read, through which we hear and interpret the Bible. In the story of Jesus, we find a story in which we see what an unwavering obedience and love look like. It's a story where we see a response to God so full of integrity, so whole, that it reflects perfectly the act of God that draws it out. 
It's a story in which the speaking of God and the responding of human beings are inseparable. You know, Jesus is fully God, fully human. So if the Bible is all about God speaking and humans listening and responding, then it is by looking at and immersing ourselves in the story of Jesus, the center, that we discover how to read the rest of the Bible. Jesus living, dying, raised from the dead, and breathing his spirit on the church is the lens through which we read the Bible. St. Augustine in the late 5th late 5th century, he said that if you read or hear the Bible and are not built up in love of God and love of neighbor, you're reading it wrong. If you read the Bible and you're not built up in love of God and love of neighbor, you're reading it wrong. This is what he's talking about. He's reading through the lens of Christ. You know, we think about all of this, the reading of Scripture, the hearing of Scripture, the hearing of God's voice through Scripture. This is a lifetime practice. It's a lifetime growth in the knowledge and love of God. Any of you who have been doing it for any amount of time, you know this. It is listening to God in Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit bring us inside the story of how God related to the ancient Israelites and to those first century Christian believers. Letting the Holy Spirit bring us inside that story so that we can recognize it as our own. When we keep digging in, when we keep listening, when we keep going round and round through the narrative of Scripture, we begin to see our reflection in these very odd figures from the ancient Near East. And then we begin to recognize patterns. Patterns of faithful and patterns of unfaithful response to God in light of Jesus in our own life and in the world around us. In other words, we begin to see as Jesus sees. Here's the last point I want to make. The reading and hearing of God through the Bible, through Scripture, like baptism, is a communal act. We are meant to read and hear the Bible together. Absolutely, we take time to read on our own, maybe in a quiet room, but we encounter Scripture, reading, hearing, and understanding it through the witness of all those who have gone before us, who have wrestled with the pages for millennia. We are inheritors of their history and their faithfulness in hearing and doing the Word of God. So it's impossible to approach the reading and hearing of Scripture divorced from everything that has come before us. And we have to see this as a gift. You know, no, no, none of us, not a single one of us, reads Scripture in a vacuum. And I think that's what we're told, that we can, any one of us can pick up Scripture and just automatically understand it. I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to us in that way, absolutely. But we have to realize that we are reading through a lens that stretches back millennia. And that's a gift, it's a gift. But we're also meant to read and hear God speaking through Scripture with, with others here today. We need to be listening to what God is saying through the Bible, but also what He's saying to our brothers and sisters around us. 
not only in, in this community here at Ozark UMC, but listening to our brothers and sisters around the world. The truth is that though, though we read Scripture through the lens of Christ, we also read through other lenses as well. You know, how we grew up, where we grew up, our socioeconomic status plays into all this, our ethnicity, our current environment all play a role in how we hear God speaking to us through Scripture. As an example, I, th I think about our brothers and sisters in Latin America. They hear God speaking to them very differently than many of us do here in the United States. Even though we're reading the exact same words and the exact same pages. But a little closer to home, and I think this is important for us to grasp, especially today when we're seeing all kinds of civil unrest and racial unrest. What's important, you know, a little closer to home is that many of our black brothers and sisters read and hear the Bible very differently than many of the rest of us. For many, the story of the Exodus is the defining narrative for the black community. It's a story of being freed from slavery of entering into the freedom of the promised land. And Jesus is the great liberator who saves them, who leads them to the freedom of the promised land. It's very different than how many of us, how the majority of Americans even read the Bible. But it's the same Bible. And it's the same God who is speaking. So it's imperative that we listen to our brothers and sisters particularly those with different histories, different experiences than us, and to do so to gain a fuller understanding of who God is and of who we are in light of him, and also how God is calling us to live. Now, the Bible is the primary way that God has chosen to speak to us. It is the lowercase w word that reveals the capital W word. We have to be listening. We have to be listening. You know, as we think that, about what it means to start over, we must be listening to the voice of God through his scriptures. And I know, just as much as you do, how difficult it is to get in the rhythms of reading and hearing scripture. You know, there's so much that stands in our way. Just our normal routines stand in the way. And some of us were just apprehensive about understanding it. You know, we don't understand it, so it's, it's difficult to dig in. But if you're apprehensive about not understanding, I, I encourage you simply to read it. Just read it. Just let the words wash over you. Don't, don't read it to grasp every detail. Just read it to listen. Just listen. Don't worry about understanding everything that is going on. Just familiarize yourself with God's story and expect God to speak to you. If you've been reading, hearing, studying the Bible all of your life, you probably know by now that God never stops speaking and that you can never be done listening. You read the same biblical narratives over and over and over again, and God continually tells you something new. I encourage you, keep listening. And draw alongside others to help them to listen. 
As a way of doing this, I'm going to encourage you this week. Take time this week. I don't, I don't care when you do it, how you do it, or in how many pieces you do it. This week, read the book of James. Uh, the book of James is, um, I think, one of the most straightforward books in the Bible. Um, you read the book of James and you know exactly what James is saying. So don't worry about trying to understand it or read between the lines or anything. Just read it and let those words wash over you and listen. Listen for what God is saying and allow God to change you. But in the words of Paul, may we continue on in what we have learned, what's been handed down to us. May we be made proficient and may we be equipped for every good work in and through it listening to God speaking to us. Amen.